0: The reading of the scriptures from Acts chapter 20, reading verses 28 to 38. And I invite your uh, reverent attention and hearing and faith of God's word in this reading in Acts chapter 20. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the words he had spoken, that he would not, or that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Most of us uh, understand the fact when we engage uh, dangerous times it has a way of focusing our minds maybe it's driving on roads that are uh, ice packed and you're scared to death of slipping into someone else or slipping into sidewalk and breaking an axe. i mean i don't know but 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 my point is, is that danger particularly physical danger, has a way of focusing you so that you're manifestly alert to that danger. But this should also be true spiritually uh, because the spiritual danger uh, in the world in which you and I live in is incredibly uh, corrosive uh, as well as unprecedented, I think. I mean, now the There's really nothing new under the sun, but just the intensity of it is quite remarkable. Uh, And if that's true, and I think it is, we should be focused all of the time. Uh, In our text this morning, the Apostle Paul is going to chiefly deal with uh, the duty of elders. Uh, But by application, everyone should be focused. Because sometimes uh, elders uh, err in choosing other elders that can uh, cause the church to weave into danger. So in in our text, Paul is warning the church of false teachers, and he commends the church of the grace of God um, as the ultimate defense while reminding them of the importance of love. And then he closes with a, a final uh prayer and farewell so last time he will see the elders the church of ephesus so it's kind of a goodbye and it's also part two we we dealt with the first part of his address uh, a couple weeks ago uh, but our text constitutes a reason that paul has so emphatically stressed the nature and the content of his ministry from the previous context he's reminded them of uh, the type of man that he was and what he did, how he did it. And now we're going to look at why he is reminding them of that. And it is, of course, very compressed, incredible, unprecedented, unmitigated uh, spiritual danger uh, that is always about the church. Uh, not only outside of it, but within it. That's really the greater danger within, within the church. Uh, For one reason, uh, detractors are uh, trying to undermine his ministry, uh, saying that he was in it for the money, Uh, which is quite remarkable. It's it's not something you engage in. It's really more of a labor of love on behalf of the Apostle Paul and really those who uh, truly engage in true ministry. But uh, now he's going to warn them of a greater threat. And and the threat is going to engage two imperatives. Uh, The first is in uh, verse 28, uh, 28, be on guard. Uh, And then the second one is in 31, therefore be on the alert. Uh, It's really the the heart of his message. And uh, because we fail at that, we fail in our sense of focus, in light of the unprecedented spiritual danger, And because men are going to fail, even the best of men, but certainly elders are going to fail. uh, He commenced the church of the grace of God. Uh, Really, the only thing between us and a howling wilderness is is the grace of God, the sovereign, sovereign grace of God. Uh, Verse 32, and then a farewell, verses 33 to 38. So we're going to begin with a warning. Uh, to the elders of uh, imminent, unprecedented danger. And the elders are warned to uh, watch and protect the flock, uh, and they're to watch and to protect themselves, verses 28 to 31. Uh, the warnings and the two imperatives that I uh, just read to you are uh, present imperatives, meaning that we could very well uh, translate them uh, in terms of continuous action, in the sense of uh, keep on guarding yourselves in the flock because elders can and do fail. happens all the time. Uh, in fact, I was reminded of that reading uh, Daily Oaklum in this morning or some sort of pastor who uh, perhaps maybe or maybe not be sanctioned by one of America's largest Protestant denominations because of his uh, acceptance of the alternative lifestyles. Which is a failure to understand uh, that God is creator. <laughs> he makes us in a very specific way, and we're to guard ourselves from immorality. But here is a here's a pastor of a church that's saying, no, He he doesn't believe that. He's going to take his church in a different way. In other words, he has radically failed and embraced contemporary American culture. Uh, The watchfulness um, is a reminder that men abandon their appointments. They can start well, but starting well is not the issue. It's ending well. Everybody can start well. Men who persevere... Uh, Women who persevere in the faith. What we're embracing here. And the watchfulness has the idea of preserving the content that the apostles received from Christ. They received that content. They have protected it. They have defended it. And now they're passing it on to the next generation. And what will that generation do with that content? What have we done with it? not just Grace Bible Church, but the American church at large, or the worldwide church. If you're a student of church history, you know there's been massive defections. So we haven't received the baton very well, and neither are we passing it on to our children and grandchildren. And so this text, again, is, is addressing that, uh, that we should uh, we should be watchful. Um, and besides, uh, elders watching themselves, with the understanding that men do abandon their appointments or to watch the flock. Uh, as you know, uh, elders are uh, protectors, defenders, and guardians. Uh, they really do that for the entire church. Uh, very quickly, they delegate. They delegate the physical and material to, to deacons, who, who really should be on watch as well. Uh, the model is not the Apostle Paul. The model is Christ. He's the great shepherd of the sheep uh, who watches his flock unfailingly. And that really is our ultimate hope. Uh, It it captures a measure of the grandeur of the gospel that he uh, is the shepherd of his sheep and uh, he will see his sheep uh, to eternal life. Really a compelling reason to come to the Savior. Do you not know him? Uh, But elders are under shepherds. They recede from Christ. A a measure to shepherd with him as the model. Uh, The text here uh, reminds us that, particularly verse 28, uh, that the Spirit makes elders for the church, which Christ purchased. Um, So the Spirit raises up men uh, to do the work of elders. But notice the very important phrase uh, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his uh, own blood. Uh, Christ purchased on the cross. He bought his people. Uh, It's a great text for a particular redemption. Because what did he purchase? Well, he purchased the church with his own blood. Uh, One of the early uh, breakaways from the Reformed faith uh, was a man by the name of Maurice Amiro. It's very interesting, he came out of the Reformed community. He was subsequently rejected, uh, radically rejected by the Reformed church. Uh, But his... (laughs) His understanding of redemption is well accepted in the American church today. It's simply that of hypothetical universalism. Christ hypothetically didn't really do anything. But he hypothetically died and purchased all men. But that breaks the language here in a radical way. He purchased. I don't know if you've ever gone in the store and purchased something. But the moment you lay down the medium of exchange demanded by the storekeeper, ownership passes from the storekeeper to you. That's exactly what happened upon the cross. Our Savior purchased His church. He left nothing to the hypothetical. Again, uh, reminder that early on in the history of the Reformed faith, men began to weave. Uh, certainly the very importance of the Council of Dort, 17th century. Reminder that elders are to watch. Uh, the great Reformers, by and large, did, and that's why we have cre- great creedal confessions, because they knew they had the responsibility to pass on to their congregation and the children of those congregations uh, the Reformed faith. Uh, Because elders, uh, if you will, are uh, a firewall against danger. uh, To mix metaphors with a computer term. The world is full of hackers. uh, And the church is full of hackers. And qualified elders are a constituted uh, presence uh, to protect uh, the church. Uh, This also infuses the charge to the elders uh, with incredible magnitude. In other words, you're to watch over the flock which the Savior purchased. He did his part. Now, in light of what he did, uh, you carry on in such a manner to protect and defend his flock. The price uh, speaks to the duty of the elders because of what he did. Uh, One of the reasons I think that elders can be quite sloppy is if Christ didn't really do anything on the cross, what do I really need to do except go to a few meetings and uh, have my ticket punched and Uh, No, he did something upon the cross, and therefore you have specific duties to do as well. Uh, So that elders protect what belongs to Christ and was secured by his blood. Qualified elders are a firewall in the midst of hackers. And uh, Christ entrusted them to keep his possessions safe. I don't, if, if, you're anything like me, you, uh, someone comes to you and says, you know, here's a, here's a precious heirloom of mine and I, I'm going on a vacation here, you keep it. I said, no, no, I don't want to keep anything of yours. Thank you very much. Uh, because, uh, uh, you know, my, my dog will probably try to eat it or my children will tip over the table and it will smash me. Who knows what will happen? In my house, anything could happen, uh, certainly with me. Um, but, um, uh, but elders can't do that. Serious constituted duty in light of what Christ did upon the cross. And the charge comes with, uh, with two reasons. In other words, keep watch because and those two reasons are in verses 29 to 30. Let's, let's look at the text. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And now notice this danger. If anything focuses our mind, Uh, And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. So it's like if you ever get online with your computer, you know hackers abound. Uh, If you're like me, you're very careful about uh, what you click on because you may be clicking on a false site that's gaining access to your computer. When I was at uh when I was in business my uh, my programmer said Phil you can buy all the firewalls you were, you want but uh if you're not constantly a step ahead of the creators of viruses what's a firewall just take your systems that are critical to you and quarantine them and that's exactly what I did I, and I was violated once and they corrupted all my word files who cared about my word files I'd back up copies and just start over. Who's going to read my correspondence anyway? No big deal. But my main systems were quarantined. I warned, do not get on the internet on this computer. I forbid you to do that. But quarantine here is qualified elders. Protecting against the hackers that abound. Uh, The chief metaphor here uh, speaks to the incredible danger that should radically focus our minds. Zoomorphic metaphor. Uh, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Uh, I didn't major in zoology in college, but... uh, I understand enough to know that wolves are an apex predator. They hunt in packs. Uh, If you follow wildlife at all, you know that states like Colorado and Wyoming, Montana, uh, are thinking about reintroducing uh, wolves into the wilderness. Uh, Guess who some of the objectors are? Cattle ranchers. I wonder why. A friend of a friend of mine uh, said he went to one of these meetings, and uh, uh, one of the people who was all for uh, just letting wolves roam free, said, you know, what's a cow here and there? Well, I don't know. A rancher stood up and said, well, my cattle uh worth 1500 bucks. So what is a cow? What's the big deal about 1500 bucks? Well, what if it's two or three? Or 10 or 20. She didn't seem to care. And most people don't seem to care about spiritual danger at all to their shame. And the danger is spiritual uh, because uh, the wolves come to eat and tear, not the flesh, but the single most important possession of your life and the life of your sons and daughters. It's an eternal possession, your soul. Let's turn to Matthew uh, seven fifteen because uh, certainly uh, our blessed Savior was aware of this threat. Matthew chapter seven verse fifteen: Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Uh, I might retranslate that metaphor in this way. Uh, most American churches, uh, the wolves have discarded sheep's clothing. They're just dressed as they are as wolves. And my in many cases we love them so, because we've lost the sense of the danger uh, that they present to our souls. Uh, And they come to uh, destroy it by hollowing it out so that only a lifeless uh, carcass remains. Uh, Reminded of a couple of the Psalms, Psalm 5521, Uh, David is uh, speaking of uh, imminent threat to him. His speech was smoother than butter, but his heart was war. His words were softer than oil. They were drawn swords. Psalm 57, four: my soul is among lions, I must lie among those who breathe forth fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongues are a sharp sword. We don't think in those terms today, but uh, many elders are at this very hour in uh, different pulpits, and uh, they're armed to the teeth to destroy Uh, because false teachers have invaded the church with uh, deception. And uh, uh, in the American army, deception is an act of warfare. In fact, I would remind you that if you study any battles whatsoever, you, you ultimately are reading of a deception plan. Because that's how we wage war. We start it by deceiving the enemy as to what we're going to do. We want him to look at the right hand uh, and then come at him with our left hand, if you will, to use a boxing metaphor. And deception is an act of warfare. We don't think in those terms that we ought to. Uh, Let's look at uh, Jude, verses 3 and 4, because uh, Jude has a similar thread. He just uses different metaphors. Jude 3, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Notice once for all delivered. It's it's an immutable baton that's to be passed. Once for all delivered. Now notice why he is telling them to do that. Verse 4, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the metaphors that Jude uses. Paul uses wolf. Uh, Verse 12, these men are those who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves Clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars from whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Some of these metaphors are nautical metaphors. I don't know anything about the ocean. Except, you better not go to sea without a qualified captain. And you better not go to sea uh, without a vessel that can withstand uh, the wildness of the sea. Uh, in our case, that's a true church with qualified elders that are the ultimate firewall for the hackers that abound. Uh, I, I find it ironic that people take great care to protect their their physical lives and their possessions. I mean, I'm sure some of you have uh, uh, purchased uh, virus controls for your computers. Uh, I read recently in Forbes magazine of a very ingenious way, which a very large company uh, uses to protect their computers. uh, They don't have any firewalls at all. They just have deception continually to deceive the hackers to go somewhere in order to protect their main system incredible but we buy insurance do we not for catastrophic events Uh, car wrecks death of a loved one uh, whose income stream may be radically important Uh, maybe some of you have uh, alarms on your homes So why are we so cavalier about our souls that last forever? I've never really caught that. Uh, But that's what Paul is embracing. He's reminding us that qualified elders are uh, a firewall given by God. Uh, Paul's uh, second prediction or reason for the elders to be on guard is uh, that men from among them uh, will arise uh, speaking perverse things, um, crooked things. Uh, could very well be an echo of uh one of the great archetypes of deception, all of the Bible, that's used repeatedly. It's a text I'm I I know you're familiar with because we have read it on occasion. Uh it comes from Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Uh, because there's a civil ruler who's uh, going to deceive the children of Israel into violating their oath and their covenant with God. Daniel eleven thirty-two. 32, by smooth words, he will turn to godliness, pardon me, godlessness, those who act wickedly towards the covenant. So he's going to turn uh, the covenant people To act wickedly against God. And what is he going to use? Soft words. Uh, It's going to turn with words. Uh, That's how the church is turned. It's turned with words. Uh, If you don't understand uh, wordsmiths and how words are used, if you don't understand basic elementary uh, theology, very easy to deceive. Uh, Because Unqualified elders know the buzzwords and they use them, they just simply redefine them. And they want to solidify that redefinition among their congregation to deceive them into believing what is a lie. They change the way of the Lord, they alter it. The purpose is to draw away the disciples after them. So the firewall is going to be penetrated. Uh, and the disciples will follow a crooked way, lured uh, by by false words. Uh, it, it's my conviction, uh, as you know, that this is a form of the end time uh, tribulation that's uh, particularly relevant for the American church. Uh, but as well, Paul was being hunted physically. Uh, in contemporary America, we are hunted by false teachers uh, who perhaps wear the uniform, but long since have left uh, the faith. And we need to remember that wolves really like sheep. uh, So they have abundant uh, food supply to prey upon remember a number of years ago, I was with a friend of mine and we were at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary using the library. Obviously, uh, it's a Presbyterian seminary, so linked to the great Westminster Confession of Faith. He told me, you know, there's a contemporary uh, professor here that uh, has embraced an alternative lifestyle. Heck, that was 30 years ago. My, we've come a long way, haven't we? Told me about the wild parties. I won't go any further than that. It occurred in the dorm rooms. But really? I mean, that's why, why would they allow that? Uh, so a gentleman that was uh, there who was a uh, rock uh, solid conservative by the name of John Gerstner held to the true faith. Uh, one evening, uh, uh, after one of the parties in the dorms uh, lit up on what you can well imagine, uh, they came to serenade. The professor who was still in his office studying uh, with the old hymn, Give Me That Old Time Religion, because they had long since left it. But he remained true. Qualified. Trying to... Uh, break a tsunami uh, with his own theology. Heck, I remember uh, reading probably uh, eight or ten years ago of a a professor on a well-known Reformed theological seminary who denied uh, historic Adam, that Adam was a historic figure. Really? Really? Well, if Adam was a mythical figure, maybe Jesus was a mythical figure. Oh, but what's a few words here and there? Amazing. Absolutely amazing what goes on. That's why we should be on our guard to keep watch. Uh, that's really the, the, the real pandemic today. I know we're all deeply concerned and focused over COVID. I know much of our congregation. Is sequestering themselves out of fear uh, for the COVID. But the greater fear is spiritual. That's really the ultimate pandemic that's been let loose among American churches. That's why elders are to exercise care over themselves and for the flock because they've been raised up by the Spirit. Qualified elders as the ultimate firewall. The second charge, verse 31, is to be be on the alert and keep watch, that you can never let your guard down. Never let your guard down. I mean, even at Grace Bible Church, all of us are prone to wander. Be on guard all the time. One of my great television programs are the great uh, animal migrations uh, in Africa. Because I know eventually what's going to come. Those animals are eventually going to go into some type of choke point. And you know what's at those choke points? The apex predators of the African plains. I, I, I can still visualize the wildebeest trying to get across the rivers, and guess what's in the rivers? And they know when to congregate, don't they? They know when the migrations occur. And they'll go to those choke points, same place, every year. And we know what happens. The church is a choke point. The predators are there. I might remind you of some theological choke points. The Bible is the inspired, authoritative Word of God that we preserve and protect. But theology beyond that, the redemption, the work of the Great Spirit sanctified, The fact that they are both seamless. Seamless. Those whom God justified, He's going to sanctify. He cannot do otherwise. That the Son passes to the Spirit. Reminder. Theology is a great choke point. reason I'm so concerned about it is we don't care about theology. We think it's going to divide people, so we don't want to bring it up. Well... A lack of attention to it has wreaked havoc upon the American church. And and that's our danger. That's where we're to keep watch. Well, Paul is going to transition from uh, the ability of men, the duty of men, to the ability and the duty of God uh, in verse 32. Uh, because the ultimate protection of the church, thank God, the ultimate protection of the church, praise the Lord, uh, falls to God Himself. Let's look at verse 32. I now I commend you to God in the word of His grace, which is able to build you up to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So Paul has done everything he can do. But he knows that too will fail. So he repairs to God, who never fails. Who keeps his church. It is a perilous time. But it's majestic that the times are filled with the grace of God. Filled with the presence of God. The ultimate keeper of his people. Who loses none. None have ever been lost. He repairs to God because... uh, Human abilities fail, but the divine ability can never fail. In the end, God is the final firewall between us and eternal ruin. Qualified elders are absolutely essential, but uh, the grace of God is the ultimate firewall. The ultimate guardian protector, uh, Paul gives the church to him, the eternal God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are always alert, who never sleep, who never slumber, who never go on holiday. Even our great Redeemer, work of the priest, about praying continually for the church, The God the Father would protect it. And God the Father always answers the prayers of God the Son. The marvels of the grace of God. Compelling reason if you're not a Christian, to come to the Savior because he is the only protection from eternal ruin, Only protection. Every other firewall can be breached. Men, to be sure, God never can be. This is why there must be a premium on uh, uh, the parallel to this. He commends them to God, but he commends them to something else. Uh, again, notice the text. And the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance. The ultimate provision of God and the ultimate provision of the Word of His grace. That's why there's a premium in Grace Bible Church on the Word of God, biblical exposition. Uh, The content therein, which is grace, sovereign grace, which is able to build us up and to keep us. Give us the inheritance. Everlasting, untarnished. Couple of beautiful texts here. Romans sixteen twenty five. Not to him, namely God. Not to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel, to the preaching of Jesus Christ. The importance of preaching the word, what it does uh, as a representative of God Himself, because it's a word of God. Uh, preaching is not the inspired word of God, but it references the word of God, uh, which is inspired. It's where we meet God namely in the Scriptures. It's preaching, faithful preaching. Now my favorite, uh, Jude 24. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you to stand in the, His presence blameless with great joy. we the greatest text of all the Scripture. All of us are full of blame that He will make us blameless because of Christ. Forgiven because of Christ. I mean, We live in a guilt-ridden world. Not so with a Christian. God's going to make us blameless. He's going to vindicate us before the entire world. Vacate God in His Word and the church is just a crowd or a building. It's very sad today the church has a very low view of Scripture because they fail to understand what it can and should do uh, faithfully proclaimed among the people of God. Uh, Paul closes uh, with a final word, verses 33 to 38. Final instruction and prayer is offered to secure the ongoing safety of the flock. Uh, the instruction is couched in uh, Paul's personal example of laboring and uh, providing for himself. Um, context, as you know, his uh, enemies are accusing him of, of uh, fraud. Uh, But what he did was in fulfillment of the instruction of the Lord, uh, verse 25, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, If you think about those words, it's really an apparent contradiction. More blessed uh, to give than to receive. Most of us think about being on the receiving end. Paul says, get on the giving end, and God will bless you. Well, how can that be? Well, because God's sovereign. Because God controls all things. And so He will make the giver more blessed. By and large, we live in a world full of takers. The church should be filled with a world full of givers in light of the one who gave His life for us, the one for the many. Learn to give. Easy to take. Easy to come. Hear the lecture. Go home. Be a giver, not just a taker. And I don't know how to tell you to do that. The Spirit has to lead you in that, and He will. Uh, but God will make it so to so bless the giver much more so than the receiver. Uh, no church can survive without givers, and I don't mean monetary. The greatest thing in many respects people can give is their time. Uh, And this applies not just to elders. Elders have to be givers. uh, But applies to all of us. Figure out ways that we can give in terms of time or effort or gifts, uh, however the case might be. Providing a meal for someone that's ill. I mean, I don't know. Uh, One of the greatest things you can do for the life of Grace Bible Church is to pray. Pray without ceasing. Uh, The needs are great. The danger is great. Uh, prayer is a great provision from the grace of God that he hears the voice and the cry of his sons and daughters. He responds in some cases he dispatches angels to do special things, grace of God you uh, you 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 should pray all of the time. Um, you should pray for uh, many of our families who have children. The children are wandering, drifting. Uh, it's uh, one of the great pandemics of our youth today. Drift sets in. Uh, and so we, we can pray for sons and daughters of congregants. But learn to be a giver. Uh, most organizations run on money. Church runs on love, without love, and love, of course, is accomplished at the expense of itself. Uh, love is a raw event that 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 gives um, without expecting return, without judging the recipient. That's what Grace Bible Church runs on. Uh it's one of the reasons uh Obviously, there's collection plates up here. But we don't, uh, we don't give them to the congregation. So, understand that if people respond pleased with the work of the Word of God or know of needs in the church, they'll just simply give out of their generosity. Uh, I'm reminded that uh, many churches are in financial uh, trouble today because their congregants are sequestered too. And, uh, it's a great joy to say. We're, We're doing quite well. The grace of God. People give. Learn to give, though, more than that. Learn to give love. Prayers. Time. Uh, Because that's really the grease uh, that makes the church successful. The presence of God. And Paul has done that. Uh, And with this final instruction, Paul prays. Uh, it's very interesting to me that the content, verse 36, is not recorded. What do you think it is? Well, we can use the context uh, to come up with the con- content. Praise for the elders to keep their charges. Praise for the elders to uh, understand uh, the significance of the price that should infuse their duty with a sense of uh, significance. He prays for the congregants, I think, uh, to be focused on danger because the wolves are near. Uh, I would tell you, you should be focused because the wolves aren't near. They're within the church, the church at large. We've accepted them. They're not dressed like sheep. They're dressed like wolves because that is what they are. And of course, he prays for the uh, sovereign grace of God to make it so, apart from which every ministry will fail. What ultimately sustains us is the love of God for His church. An incredible love. A love so profound that He gave His only begotten Son to buy it. He accepted the purchase price. And then He dispatched the awesome power of the Holy Spirit to apply it in a seamless work of the application of redemption. It's incredible love. And that really is the ultimate firewall. Grace of God. Uh, So I do remind you, we live in dangerous times. Uh, I trust for your soul, Grace Bible Church is... uh, Something of a firewall. Something of a quarantine. The spiritual dangers that abound. But ultimately, on each and every day, you should be thankful for the grace of God. Uh, It's an ultimate firewall that cannot be penetrated. Never has been. And uh, neither will it ever be. And uh, thank God that our eternal security is based solely and entirely upon Him who in His sovereign power preserves and keeps and sustains His church and will bring it into its eternal reward. For such times, God gives us elders that are qualified. And for such times, God gives us himself.